Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. That's called the light of life. That's the light that comes to us in the circumstances of life. I mean, have you ever come, like I have, to a place where someone said something nasty against the Lord, and you don't know what to say, and you don't want to say something you're going to regret, or you want to help that person, you don't know what to say, and then all of a sudden, you know just what to say? Why? Because he gave the light of life in that particular situation. So when the Lord Jesus says, I am the light of the world, he didn't say, I am a light of the world. He said, I am the light of the world, which means he's the only light of the world, just as he said that he's the only truth. When he said in John 14, 6, he said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Only one truth. Now, so man, like the Egyptians in verse 18, he needs to, he needs to not hide his need for God because he's self-deceived and he's in darkness. He needs God for light. Now, the fourth lie is that as people causes them to say, they don't need God because, I don't need God because I have self-control. Okay, that's not me, but anyway, some people say that. I have self-control. I don't fly off the handle. I hold my tongue. Even when someone really gets under my skin, I know how to control my feelings, so I don't need God. The people who need God are those who are out of control. That's not me, so I don't need God, see? But the Bible says in Romans seven fourteen. Romans seven fourteen. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law, it's good. So then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Man is so much in darkness that he has these things that are called secret faults. I mean, even from self, secret faults. He doesn't even know that he's sinning when he's sitting. And, and so David says in, in Psalm 1912, Psalm 1912, who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Problem is, is that our hearts, they trick us. They lie to us. Our hearts lie to us. And that puts us in a state of what the Bible calls being desperately wicked. Not just wicked, but desperately wicked in Jeremiah 17.9. Jeremiah 17.9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins and even give to every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. So man, like the Egyptians in verse 18, he needs to stop hiding his need for God because he doesn't have self-control over his thoughts and his actions and his words. 
Okay, the fifth lie. How many times have we heard a person say, I don't need God because I'm a good person. I'm <laughs> a good person. And then you say, really, you're the first one. All right, so, but the Bible says clearly about that in Romans 3.23, Romans 3.23. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It says all have sinned. That leaves room for no person to be a good person. It says all have sinned. Now, what does it really mean when it says all have sinned? It means that all are helpless, all are guilty because they've sinned. And then when it goes on to say they've come short of the glory of God, that means they fall short of ever being able to see the glory of God because because they've sinned, they won't come to the glory of God. They'll be short. They won't see the glory of God because they've sinned. When Solomon dedicated the temple for and Israel was all there, and it was a great day on that day, and in 1 Kings 8, 46, 1 Kings 8, 46, he said, if they, speaking of Israel, sin against thee, and then he stopped and he said, there's no man that sinneth not. See, he says that, there's no man that sinneth not, because the purpose of the temple that he was dedicating was to offer sacrifices for sin. And so he says, there's no man that hasn't sinned. As a matter of fact, we're given a scene in Psalm 14.2, Psalm 14.2, where it's talking about God looking down from heaven just to see, looking out to see, is it possible someone hasn't sinned? So he says in Psalm 14.2, Psalm 42, the Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. And his conclusion is, they are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. So he wanted to find one good person. And so so he looks down from heaven. He wanted to find a person who understood and was seeking God. He came up empty-handed, zero. Couldn't find one. And that's why it says in Isaiah 53, 6, Isaiah 53, 6, it says about us, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. What iniquity? The iniquity of going astray. The iniquity of turning to our own way. The iniquity of saying to God, no, not your way, my way. And the Lord wanted to find a good person. He couldn't, and that's why Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 7.20, Ecclesiastes 7.20, there's not a just man upon earth that doeth good and sinneth not. So it's a common self-deception when a person says he's a good person, doesn't need God. But man, like the Egyptians in verse 18, needs to, to not hide his need for God because he's not a good person. He's not a good person. Okay, now, many people today think that they've lived a clean life. they lived a clean life. They feel that, look, I haven't cheated anyone. I haven't been guilty of any sexual sins. I haven't told any lies. So they conclude, I'm, I'm clean. I don't need God. People need God, but they're dirty. I'm not me, I'm, not, I'm clean. But when the Bible says that all have sinned, that means that all have become filthy from sin, filthy from sin, and the deception is that people think that, well, because I haven't done any acts of sin, then I'm clean on the inside. Now, some of us have actually done the acts, but anyways, that's not the case because the Lord said, the Lord Jesus made it clear that it's the thoughts of sin that make a person dirty because the thoughts come out of the heart. And he said in Matthew 15, 19, Matthew 15, 19, 
For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, or lies, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. Out of the heart, evil thoughts. Evil thoughts defile a man. The heart is the place of thoughts. That's what it says in Proverbs 23, 7. Proverbs 23, 7 says, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Which is why the Lord Jesus said, out of the heart proceed evil thoughts. So when everyone, whenever anyone thinks of murder, I'm so mad I could kill him. He stops himself. He doesn't do it. That's a sin that defiles him. When it thinks of adultery or fornication, stops himself, doesn't do it. That's a sin that defiles him. Or when everyone thinks of stealing something, wasn't right that that store didn't give me that refund. I'm going to go swipe it. All right? But stops, doesn't do it. That's a thought that defiles. And those thoughts make a person dirty on the inside. And from those defiling thoughts, a person needs God to be cleansed. As God said in Isaiah 116, Isaiah 116, wash you, make you clean. Put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes. See, but human nature is to do a self-examination and come to the conclusion, it's all fine, it's clean, no problem. People feel they're clean, they conclude they're clean, but God is the judge of whether or not a person is clean or not because Proverbs 16.2 says, Proverbs 16.2, all the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weigheth the spirits. Who would expect for a person to say that he's clean because of Proverbs 16.2, all the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes. So when a person says he's clean, well, then he's just confirming what the Bible says. All the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes. But the issue is not what's in the eyes of man. The issue is the Lord weighs the spirits. Different picture, different picture. And God says in Proverbs 30, verse 12, Proverbs 30, verse 12, there is a generation that are pure in their own eyes, yet is not washed from their filthiness. Why aren't they washed from their filthiness? Because they're clean in their own eyes. They've examined themselves and they say, I'm pure, I'm clean. And because of that, they won't go to God for cleansing. So they remain in this state of not being washed from their own filthiness. That's why God opens the fountain to Israel in Zechariah 13.1, in Zechariah 13.1, where he says, in that day, there shall be a fountain open to the house of Israel, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, for sin and for uncleanness, for uncleanness. There's only one way a person can be clean on the inside. Revelation 1.5, Revelation 1.5, Jesus Christ, who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, in his own blood. First John 1.7, we walk in the light as he is in the light. We have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Revelation 7.14, this is what they're singing. This is what they're saying in heaven in Revelation 7.14. I said, sir, thou knowest, he said unto me, these are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. It's the blood. It's by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The blood of the Lord is the cleansing blood. And man like the Egyptians in verse 18 needs to not hide his need for God because he needs to be cleansed from his sins. 
Lie number seven, another lie. A person says, I don't need God because I'm not afraid of anything. I'm not afraid of anything. God is only for those who are cowering in a corner, but that's not me. I'm not afraid. And the Bible says that there is something for an ungodly person to fear in Proverbs 14.2. Proverbs 14.2 where it says, there's a way which seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. What a terrible situation for a person to think he's right, and then there's that shock just to find himself being cast into hell, the place of never-ending death. That's something to be afraid of. That's something to be afraid of. I mean, it's another scene that the Lord described to be afraid of in Luke 13, 24, Luke 13, 24, when he says, strive to enter in at the straight gate, the narrow gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. I mean, just imagine that. Just imagine many trying to get into heaven, crawling, clawing, scratching, yelling, trying to get in and not able, not able. It's a terrifying sight. Same idea as when the Lord said in Matthew 7, 21, Matthew 7, 21, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I mean, that's horrible. How horrible of the many who think they are saved, and they think they've done the will of God. They've preached in Jesus' name. They've cast out devils in Jesus' name. They've done many wonderful works in Jesus' name. And all the while they're thinking this because they're doing all these things that they're gonna be just grandly welcomed into heaven. And then in the end, they hear those terrifying words of being as they're being cast into hell. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. I never knew you. I don't know you. I don't know you. They knew all the works they did, but they never really knew the Lord Jesus personally as their Savior from sin and the Lord of their lives. Yet they were full of all kinds of religious works. Man needs to see the danger of a life without knowing the Lord Jesus Christ, and that brings a healthy fear that should drive him to the Lord. Man, like the Egyptians in verse 18, needs to not hide his need for God to be saved from a false hope, a religious hope, without a personal knowledge of the Lord Jesus. Okay, now, the common lie that people say, I don't need God because I can guide myself through life. I'm fine for myself. I can direct myself. I'm a really good captain of my life. And and yet, the Bible says in Jeremiah 10.23, Jeremiah 10.23, Oh, Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It's not in man that walketh to direct his steps. See, it says that it's not in man that walketh to direct his steps. That means that man doesn't have what it takes to direct his life. He comes up short. And this is a, an understanding that man comes, has to come to where he's just not up to the job. He can't do it. He's not up to the job directing his life. And it just doesn't come easily to man. It doesn't come easily. He wants to think that I can do it. I can direct my own self. I'm, I'll make my own decision. I'm just going to be fine. That's why the prophet said, I know that the way of man is not in himself. See, the conclusion wasn't easy for the prophet Jeremiah either. But he finally was convinced, and he said, I know. It's not easy for a person to hand over the wheel to God. 
It's not easy for a person to get in the driver's seat. That's why you see these bumper stickers that say, God is my co-pilot. He's not the pilot, he's the co-pilot, right? (laughs) He can't even understand. Man can't even understand his own way in life. Proverbs 20, verse 24, Proverbs 20, 24. Man's goings are of the Lord. How can a man then understand his own way? It's very profound when God calls his people sheep and he calls himself a shepherd. You know, I have had the unfortunate experience of having sheep for the last 40 years, all right? And for 10 years of those 40 years, I had the even more unfortunate experience of living with those sheep and taking care of them. Now, and I can tell you, because we had sheep and goats, that compared to goats, sheep are really not smart. (laughs) They're dumb, and they're stubborn, and they have a tremendous capacity to fight when it's over, and they shouldn't be fighting because they just have this rebellious nature. For example, when you overpower a goat, the goat is reasonable, and the goat says, okay, you win. Where are we going? That's a goat, right? I've seen a sheep resist so hard. If you ever see Maureen Gallatin here, ask her how she broke her hand. She broke her hand fighting one of our sheep. Anyway, I've seen a sheep fight so hard that it, I've seen it fall down in the pen and just die of fright. It just died of fright. Sheep, just they really try your patience. That's why it says in Isaiah 53, 6, all we like sheep, we're all like sheep. We've gone astray. We turned everyone to his own way. We're the sheep. Sheep are an animal that needs a shepherd to survive. You know, when our goats got loose in Lakeside and they ran for the hills, we never saw them again, but they were alive. They joined other goats of other groups, herds of wild goats, and they lived just fine. But when one of our sheep got loose and we couldn't catch it, they died. They died because sheep need a shepherd. That's why the That's why David said in Psalm 23, Psalm 23, 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. See that? He maketh me, he leadeth me. He restoreth, he leadeth. See, that's what shepherds need. I mean, sheep need. They need the shepherd. That's what we need. Man like the Egyptians in verse 18 needs to stop hiding his need to God, for God, to direct and to guide him through life. He needs God to be a shepherd in life. Now, another common deception, another common lie is people say, I don't need God because I have peace. I'm very, very peaceful. I'm not troubled. I, I go to sleep each night. I sleep like a baby. Nothing bothers me. I'm at peace with myself, with the world around me all is well, I'm at peace. And then they draw the peace symbol, see? But the Bible says, the Bible says in Isaiah 57, 20, Isaiah 57, 20, the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. Now, it's, uh, it's true, it's true that some people have really lulled themselves into a state of thinking they're at peace. But God says about them, in Psalm 73:18, Psalm 73:18, surely thou didst set them in slippery places, thou casteth them down into destruction. How are they brought into desolation? As in a moment, they are utterly consumed with terrors. Think about that. A moment, utterly consumed with terrors. 
As in a dream, when one awaketh, O Lord, when thou awakest, thou shalt despise their image. To be in a slippery place is a terrible place. It's terrible because you have this false assurance that the ground is steady and all is secure, but then it's the all of a sudden that comes. It's the all of a sudden that comes. And when that comes, it's described in that Psalm 73 as being cast down into destruction. Psalm 73, 19, it's the, the all of a sudden is described as in a moment they are utterly consumed with terrors. I like to drive. I like, I like driving on Highway 94 beyond uh, Rancho San Diego out to Tecate. It's a beautiful drive. If you haven't done it, you should do it. It's beautiful, especially beyond Hamul there. That's a beautiful drive. It's my favorite drives. Another one of my favorite drives is to drive from Tecate into Mexicali. And you go over the, up the top there, Rumorosa, El Longo, where the prison is. Anyway, and you go over a big mountain and you drop down. The scenery is so beautiful. It's wonderful as you drive along the, the mountain roads, you know, sharp uh, cliffs, cliff drop-offs on the side. But, you know, sometimes I've been driving on those roads and I see the most horrifying sight imaginable. You know what that is? Tire marks. Screeching tire marks right over the side of the hill, right over the side, right off the side of the road. And when you see that, and I know exactly where they are in Highway 94, because I'm looking at those tire marks and I'm going, oh no, the tire marks go through the street, up over the berm, and no guardrail, right over. And in Rumorosa, where they don't, they can't collect the cars, you stop your car and you look over, you see the car at the bottom on that road. That's a horrible picture because it emerges in your mind as you're doing that. Somebody was driving, probably like me, enjoying the ride. You know, looking at the beautiful scenery and then all of a sudden, whatever, dozed off, got distracted. And then there was that moment when they realized, I'm going over the side to my death. And he slams on the brakes and the tires screech and it leaves all the mark there, but it's too late. And he goes careening over the side of the road. And all that's left are the tire marks on the road that speak of in a moment, that terror. And that's the picture here of the person who says, I don't need God because I'm at perfect peace, but there's gonna be that tire marks and that in a moment. There's a peace that the world gives. There is a peace that the world gives and it's just like this person who's driving in his car over the beautiful scenery of the mountain roads, but it's not a lasting peace. It doesn't last. And that's why the Lord called and said, he said, that's the peace the world gives in John 14, 27. John 14, 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. True peace is not found in circumstances. True peace is found in the person of the Lord Jesus. That's why it says in Ephesians 2.14, Ephesians 2.14, he is our peace. He is our peace. So a man like the Egyptians in verse 18 needs to not hide his need for God to, so that he can get true peace in life. He needs to have God for peace. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. 
You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Experience a short-term missions trip to Israel, the land and people to whom the Lord Jesus Christ will return. Not only walk where the Lord Jesus walked, but reach who He reached, the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Be a part of the encouraging Jewish friends to receive the Lord Jesus. Israel Alive is all about making friendships with lost Israelis that will hopefully be eternal. We hope you'll join us in reaching the nation of Israel one friendship at a time. For more information, visit us at israelalive.org. That's israelalive.org. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. 